Welcome. We're so glad that you're here joining us today. If you're new uh, to this live feed, my name is Sarah and this is Micah and we are the co-pastors, the lead pastors at the Vine Church in Kennewick, Washington. Yeah. So um, one of my favorite things in life is uh, sharing a meal together. Um, summer barbecues uh, each year as a church uh, near Thanksgiving. We do Friendsgiving, which would take a Sunday. And our worship is simply a meal shared around a table and conversation with friends. Like the idea of table fellowship is really significant throughout Scripture um, and something that we in our lives have found um, just such joy in. Uh, in fact, did you know that many of the major developments in the gospel and the story of Jesus uh, happened around a table? I mean, just to mention, too, uh, the resurrection uh, was revealed at a meal. Mm -hmm. um, the Lord's Supper was instituted at a meal and time and time again in Scripture we see these powerful moments taking place around a table sitting with friends. And ironically, we are in a season right now with COVID that we're not getting to do near as much of that. But today we're going to look at a scripture uh, as we continue um, that talks about this invitation to a meal, to time spent mm -hmm. together. So we've been looking at the words of Jesus. And for the last two weeks, and, and we'll conclude this little section um, today, we've been looking at Jesus being our good shepherd. And we've been comparing John 10 and Psalm 23. And so we talked about Jesus, our good shepherd, as our guide and as our companion. And today we're going to talk about Jesus as our host at the table. Yeah. So in Psalm 23, David writes this. It's verses 5 through 6, uh, the last section that we're going to look at in Psalm 23. David speaking to God, he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hmm. So the last few verses of Psalm 23 depict God as the host and David, the, the author of this psalm, as the guest. And at the, the core of this concept of having a host and a guest is that an invitation has been extended. An invitation has been extended and then that invitation was received to come together at the table. And it's all about relationships. I, I, I remember the times in my life that I've gotten the, a really special invitation when I was really excited to, to go to this event or to go to this person's house. And then I remember other times in my life when Mike and I were like, let's host something. Let's do something fun. And then we're, we get to be the hosts and invite people over. And at the core of hosting and being a guest is the idea of invitation and yeah. relationship. And so David, speaking to God, says, you prepare this table before me. He says, in the presence of my enemies. Speaking of the fact that even in difficult mm -hmm. times, uh, when, when things are not easy, that God is equipping or preparing for us mm -hmm. a feast and beautiful things and opportunities. But this table before me, you know, in Genesis 1, uh, there's this description of creation. And the beautiful thing about this description is the intimacy, the walk between mm -hmm. humanity and God. They get to walk in his presence. They get to be near to him. They get to experience his love and his goodness and physical form. And, uh, 
And here in Psalm 23, David kind of alludes to that sort of an experience. Mm -hmm. God, you have prepared a table before me in which I get to sit in your presence. I get to be near to you. I get to be with you. I get to share in your goodness and the things that you are providing for me. And then David continues and he says, God, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And these are um, cultural, spe culturally specific um, illustrations and, and images that both depict the generosity of the host. So at this time when someone came over as your guest, it was customary for the host to offer a little oil for, for their head. Um, and it represented health and renewal and joy. And then David says, my cup is overflowing, showing the abundance mm. that is present at the table. Yeah, and he goes on to say, and your goodness and love will follow mm. me all the days of my life. And um, this is a beautiful and sometimes a challenging statement to make. I don't know if you in difficult times have ever, ever found yourself questioning, God, where are you? What are you doing? In fact, David himself uh, asked those questions in uh, Psalm 13, he says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your mm. face from me? He's been in those difficult moments and asked those questions. But here in Psalm 23, we hear him uh, expressing like the deepest convictions of his heart. And he says, I know that your goodness and love, it follows me and it will all the days of my life. And right after that, David writes, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord and, and to dwell um, in, in a house is, is a choice. To dwell is to be close to someone. Again, that invitation has been extended and received there to be in close relationship with someone. And I love here that David says forever. And sometimes when we hear forever, we, we think eternity, but we think in the future. But forever mm -hmm. starts now. The eternity mm -hmm. starts right now that we get to dwell with the Lord from now on and, and through eternity. Yeah. So David uh, says some beautiful things in Psalm 23 of God as our host, that mm -hmm. he is our host and he is preparing for us this feast. Well, in John 10, Jesus is going to pick up, pick up on this theme of um, God as our shepherd who mm -hmm. provides for us and is our companion and all of these different things. But there's going to be a significant shift here that I want us to notice as we jump into John chapter 10. You see, in Psalm 23, David is speaking in the singular. He's saying, uh, God, you are my shepherd. Mm -hmm. uh, um, you care for me and you love me. But listen to the shift in John 10 as Jesus begins to speak in the plural. Now, there is this tragedy in the English language. Uh, we have no plural form of you. So when we say you, it sounds like I'm speaking to you specifically. There is one exception in the South. You might say y'all, uh, but it's not used very consistently. Like, we say you guys, maybe <laughs> Right? Which again is not a great way of saying it. Most languages have mm -hmm. different forms of you. Um, mm -hmm. So you could say you singular or you plural. Did you know that in the New Testament, the Greek word for you is used, uh, the plural form is used twice as often mm -hmm. as the singular. And so often when we read scripture, we hear it in a very singular sense. And, and certainly in our individualistic mm -hmm. 
culture, you know, we're, we're kind of just geared towards hearing the singular and, uh, and our language limits us from hearing more than that. But for example, uh, when Jesus says you are the light of the world and you are the salt of the earth, he's not using the singular, he's using the plural. He's saying you as a people come together to be this. He says, when he says uh, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, he's speaking in the plural. He says, you are the body of Christ, and he's speaking in the plural. Mm. So listen as we read John 10, as we transition from Psalm 23 and the singular, God, you are this for me. Listen in John 10 as Jesus speaks in the plural. This is who you are. I love that. Yeah. So John 10, we're, I'm going to read uh, part of verse 10 and then start off in verse 14. And this is what Jesus says. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Yeah, he begins in there saying, I have come that they'd have life and life mm -hmm. to the full, or sometimes it's translated mm -hmm. as abundant life. Mm -hmm. And I love this vision. Jesus came that we could live and not just in, in a mentality of scarcity, but live abundantly. This is Jesus' dream for his people. And uh, I want you to notice as he goes on to describe this abundant life, you mm -hmm. see him uh, speaking of these other sheep, these other pins, and I'm going to make the two one. And he's speaking of the division between the Gentiles and the Jews in the first century. He's saying that he's saying to the Jewish people, understand that there will be others coming in. And the story of Acts and uh, the story throughout the New Testament of the first century church was a challenging one as this integration begin to take place. But I want us to notice in the words of Jesus, as he describes himself of the shepherd of multiple flocks that are becoming mm -hmm. one flock, that a part of this abundant life that Jesus speaks to, a part of this abundant life that Jesus is inviting his people to revolves around a conversation of reconciliation and unity being found amongst different peoples. And it's really helpful for us to understand the context of this. So Jesus is speaking to the Jews here who have a long history of being God's people. Um, from the very beginning of his covenant in, in Genesis 12, when God chose Abraham and made a covenant with Abraham, he said, I will bless you and I will turn you into a great nation and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So that was the purpose of choosing one mm -hmm. people to work specifically through was to bless all the peoples of the earth. And yet the Jewish religious leaders of Jesus time had lost sight of this and they um, had become very exclusive, excluding those that were different than them. And so here in John 10, Jesus makes very clear that he's about inclusion and not exclusion. He says, I have other sheep and I have to bring them in. And my guess, as some of us may, but my guess, my hunch is most of us listening today who are gonna see this video um, don't come from Jewish descent. So, so I don't, so I'm a part of those other sheep that Jesus mm -hmm. was talking about, about bringing them in. I'm 
we, we get to be a part of this vision for one flock. Mm-hmm. In Ephesians 2, Paul goes on to describe uh, this oneness. He says, for he himself, Jesus mm-hmm. that is, he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in himself, in his flesh, the law and its commandments and regulations. He, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making mm-hmm. peace. And twice in this passage, he uses this word peace. And I love this vision that a part of being the people of Jesus, the people that walk in his way, is being a people of peace, mm-hmm. a people bringing about reconcili- reconciliation mm-hmm. and peace in this world. You know, I love this description in Ephesians. Um, It describes the gospel and the gospel is a very churchy word, but gospel just means good news. And the good news of Jesus, as described here in Ephesians, is that he's tearing down the walls of hostility and he's bringing peace to replace that hostility. And um, we really like talking about peace. (laughs) And I like talking about peace, too. But we have to also look at what are the walls of hostility that exist today? Um, so when we look at scripture, what are the walls that existed um, of hostility that existed in the first century? And Jesus talked, uh, Micah talked about that in reference to the Jews and the Gentiles. But what are the things that exist today that create these barriers? You know, to name these barriers of hostility and to wrestle with them in the presence of God is part of the process of confession and repentance. And that's part of how the Holy Spirit heals us and the Holy Spirit transforms us. When I ask myself, what are the dividing walls of hostility that exist today? I think of racism, which we've, we've seen, we've seen a lot more of lately. I think of hostility between genders and and how that can be really harmful at times. I I see the hostility um, towards people because of sexuality or the hostility towards immigrants and refugees. And some of you, when I say some of these things, may be thinking, oh, she's she's getting all political on us. And it's not my intent to, to talk politics here at all. In politics, these are considered hot button issues. And, and it's hard to discuss them and people are polarized. What I, what I would like to do is reframe the conversation and have this conversation differently. To reframe the, the conversation around the gospel of Jesus means that we ask different questions. And so remember this gospel, this good news is we tear down, Jesus tears down the walls of hostility and he brings about peace. So I want to challenge us as individuals and as collectively as a church to ask the question, what would Jesus's peace look like in these relationships where hostility exists today? In my life, in our community, in our nation, in our world, what would Jesus's peace look like in relationships where hostility exists? Yeah. So as we start to bring it all together, uh, in Psalm 23, David says, 
to God, you have prepared a table before me. You have invited me into your presence and to feast in that. But as we look at John 10, we realize that God's vision, his mission is not limited to my or your individual experience, mm -hmm. but it's much broader that as we have been received by God, we are invited to receive others, mm -hmm. to invite others, to participate in this feast and this opportunity. And this is a, a work uh, that all of us as followers of Jesus mm -hmm. are to be about, of bringing about peace and reconciliation and hope. And, you know, as a church right now, we're exploring what's it going to look like as things start to loosen up from COVID and we're, uh, we have a facilities team looking at what will our next space be. And a major question we're asking is how can this new space foster reconciliation and the bringing together of different peoples mm -hmm. in our community, bringing peace and bringing people together in our community for the sake of this beautiful vision that David and Jesus lay out, that the multiple peoples can be one, that people can find peace and reconciliation and hope in community. I love, I love these two pictures here, the picture of one flock and the picture of God as the great shepherd laying out this feast before us. And both these pictures that we've looked at today speak of unity with different groups coming together, the end of hostility and the building and development of peaceful relationships. And this unity um, honors and celebrates the differences in each other. I love that unity does not require uniformity. We don't have to be clones of each other. Unity does not require uniformity. I've heard it said um, that food is a universal language. And I love that because there is such delicious variety in the food all over the world. And so Jesus is our great shepherd and he is our host. And he is preparing before us a feast of all different kinds of food and all different flavors. And unity is when we accept the invitation and we sit at this table with people of all different backgrounds and all different experiences and thought and eat this feast prepared before us. Yeah. So the confluence of Psalm 23 and John 10 is this. Mm -hmm. You have been received by God, invited into his presence. We have been received by God and invited into his presence. And in turn, we are invited mm -hmm. to receive others, to invite them into the presence of God and to find that common place in God's presence. I invite you to pray with me. Dear God, thank you so much for this beautiful vision of your peace, this beautiful vision of a united people. And God, we thank you for how your love and your grace and your mercy transforms us in ways that make us more loving and more gracious and more like you, Jesus. God, we ask that you would work in us, that you would work through us, that you would work around us, Lord, to break down the walls of hostility and bring about peace in our lives and in our community and in this world. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. So each week we've been sharing a song with you, something that allows us to reflect in our own time upon the words Mm -hmm. of Jesus. And today we have a song, it's called Come to the Table, and it's by a group, um, a collective called um, Common Hymnal. Mm -hmm. And we've pitched one other song from them your way uh, in recent weeks, Um, but Come to the Table. And uh, it's uh, really a meditative prophetic sort of song as it as it says those who are proud or those who are broken come to the table those who are wealthy and those who are poor come to the table those at the fringes people of every race it invites us come to the table uh, but it moves beyond just that personal invitation as Jesus did in John 10 and it moves towards the and come and share this mm-hmm. feast together. So I hope as you uh, listen to this song, get to reflect a little bit more that it inspires us all, uh, both to accept the invitation of God mm-hmm. and then to extend the invitation to others around us. Also, before we go, just wanted to mention um, that we're going to be starting a book club soon, uh, probably next month in September. We'll send out more details, but we're going to be reading uh, The Very Good Gospel by Lisa Sharon Harper. She's done some amazing work. And uh, the reason why I chose this book, because it does a great job just going in depth into the peace of God, what that looks like in reconciliation. So we would love for you to join us. Um, We'll send out more details via email. Yeah. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Friends, we pray pray blessings Mm -hmm. for you in the week to come. Have a great week. Bye, everyone.